You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. place let's lift up our our hands right now just begin to praise him hallelujah god you're worthy of it all hallelujah jesus praise your name lord you're worthy jesus you're worthy of our worship god we give you everything lord we surrender to you lord we surrender to your will and to your way your way is better hallelujah jesus your way is better hallelujah hallelujah jesus praise your name hallelujah lord hallelujah lord hallelujah i don't know if you've been able to sense it over the course of this service but there has been a stirring of the waters that's been taking place amen god has taken us into a new dimension hallelujah praise your name jesus praise your name jesus hallelujah lord hallelujah lord Amen. We've been on a path as a church. God has been taking us deeper and deeper. I was talking to Sister Melissa last last night, and I was saying that there's been an undercurrent of the spear that's been taking place in our church, and God's just about ready to break surface. Everything that's been going on underneath in the deep is just about to show on the surface of what's going on. Hallelujah, Lord. All the prayers. Everything that's come together. Amen. Amen. God is doing a work. I'm so thankful to be a part of it. I hope you are. Amen. I'm thankful to be a part of God's church. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We've been continuing on a a series that I started two weeks ago, last two Sundays, we reviewed uh, the first four segments of the fruit of the Spirit, and I'm going to continue on that here this morning. Love, joy, peace, and patience is what we've talked about so far, and today we are going to peel back layers on two more, kindness and goodness. I'm currently reading a book right now written by T.F. Tenney, and there's a chapter in that book that he titled, The Purpose of the Anointing. And he writes this in that chapter. This is what he says. He says, let us contend for the continual anointing of the Holy Spirit. Contend for it. The Lord of heaven is saying, back to the basics. Back to the altar of prayer. Back to fasting and waiting on God. Back to a passion and love for souls. Back to the time when priorities were set by the Holy Ghost and not by our daytimer. Back to loving God more than we love pleasure. There is a call that's going out to the church today, back to the basics, back to prayer. Prayer is what's going to make the difference. Prayer is what stirs up the atmosphere and creates something entirely different than what we have in this world. Amen. It allows us to connect to Him. I can't pray in the Spirit for you, though. Your parents, your spouse, your children, they can't do it either. There's got to be something that you do. And we need, like never before, a hunger 
a desire to connect ourselves to the vine. The Bible tells us, like I stated last week, He is the vine, we are the branches, and He produces through us the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And as I stated last Sunday, all we need to do is to stay connected. That is our job. That is our responsibility as the church. Never let go of the vine. He'll make us into what we should be if we can just stay connected. What do I mean by that? Prayer. Prayer is our means of connecting to God every day. We need to talk to Him. In fact, the Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. And you say, well, how is that possible? That means that every moment, every minute of every day, we are to be in the mindset of prayer. And so, as we go into part three this morning of the series, it would be of our best interest to start there. So I want you to join with me here one last time. We're going to pray to God, ask God to, to allow his will to be done with the remainder part of the service. Amen. Let's just do that. God, we are so thankful to be in your house once again. You are good to us, Lord. God, I thank you, Jesus, for everything that you've created. Lord, each of us sit here today understanding that we are in need of you. There's nothing, Lord, that we can do on our own to attain salvation for ourselves. We need you, Lord. God, and we pray here today, Lord, that you would help us to see your kindness and your goodness in our life. God, work with us here today, Jesus. Soften our hearts to receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Kindness is no wimp among the virtues. The New Testament, it stresses that kindness is a major league player. It has a contract with God to play on the highest level. And we can't fire it. We can't push it out of the big leagues. Paul, he settled this once and for all when he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, love is kind. God-like love is kind. Agape love, that unconditional love that you and I experience here today, is kind. It doesn't bust down anything trying to get through. It gently just gently continues to knock. There is no escape from this fact. Kindness is a primary virtue and a part of the image of God in us. The fact that this image can be reflected in anyone is no excuse to minimize it, but rather a reason to recognize that God's people should display it in its purest form. Not genetically modified, but organically grown in the church. And like all the other fruit of the Spirit, they grow out of love. It's the connective tissue, if you will. And Jesus, he went about doing good and showing kindness to everyone in need because he loved people. He was love. It is hard to be kind if you do not love. It is easy if you do because love is kind by its very nature. And this is where we can compete and win. When we are filled with the Spirit of God, we can love our enemies and those who do not, in our eyes or in our opinion, deserve love. We can show kindness even when it's not natural. But because of the Spirit of God that lives in us, we have the power. It starts here. When we learn to love each other, that love will continue extending outward. And like I stated last week, Jesus told us that this is how everyone will know that we are his disciples by the way that we love each other. We need to make a commitment to magnify rather than minimize this fruit of kindness. 
Henry Frederick Emile, he said, life is short and we have never too much time for gladdening the hearts of those who travel the dark journey with us. Oh, be swift to love, make haste to be kind. Seneca, the Roman philosopher whose brother Galileo set Paul free in Acts chapter 18, he said, wherever there is a human being, there's a chance for kindness. First Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, Paul, he writes to the church, he urges them, in Colossia, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. When we got up in the morning to dress for the day, we are to put on kindness along with everything else that we wear. Ask yourself before you head off to work or to school or to wherever you go, did I put on my kindness? To walk out of your home unprepared to be kind to people who cross your path is to be unprepared to be a witness of the kindness that God has shown to you. It would be tragic for us, like leaving home without our shoes on. You ever see those signs on the door of any shop that you go into that say, no shirt, no shoes, no service? Well, if Paul, if he opened up a restaurant, it would say, no love, no kindness, no service. I'm sorry. It, it should be embarrassing to see God's people running around with no kindness on. Now, I know we have all been in traffic. We've all been in long lines. We've been in situations where people got our order wrong. Tell me I'm not the only one. They intentionally just set out to get my order wrong. I'm sure that's not the case. You've experienced it too, but let's not forget, we are called to a greater calling. Paul sees kindness as one of the undergarments. He goes on to say in chapter 3 of Colossians Chapter uh, verse 14, just two verses later, he says, And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Paul is saying, if you take off into your day not clothed with love and kindness, you are spiritually naked and will probably be a spiritual embarrassment before the day is over. Paul is not worried about you leaving home without your credit card or without your phone but he is saying of kindness, don't leave home without it. We are to cover ourselves with these fruit. You are what you wear in the spiritual life. In the world, there are fashion trends galore, name brands like you wouldn't believe. Trademark goods are sold to the highest bidder. But for us today, the fruit of the Spirit never goes out of style. The word that Paul uses for kindness in the Greek is Christos. It is the same word that Jesus used when he said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is Christos. Jesus is saying, my yoke is kind. What does he mean by that? Well, in joining up of oxen, they would yoke a seasoned ox with a green ox together. The seasoned one, he knows what he's doing, he leads. He guides, he teaches that one who doesn't know. The new ox has so much to learn, but as they join them up together with a yoke, the new ox learns as he follows. He goes wherever the other ox goes. And again, all you need to do to learn and grow is stay connected to him. Follow his leading everywhere he goes, you go. Everywhere he steps, you step. Lord, if we only want to follow you. I hope that's your prayer here today. And this is the message that he is trying to get across to his church today. We learn from him kindness on a scale that we have never seen before. Kindness on a scale that this world has never shown before. 
And Jesus, he tells the parable of the Good Samaritan to explain the type of kindness that we are to model. But it is such radical language that we seldom see the relevance of it today for our daily living. The likelihood of us seeing anyone in the road beaten like Jesus describes in the story is less likely for us. And so sometimes this message is lost. But the point of the parable is not to be on the lookout for victims or robbers, but to recognize that anyone who is in need is your neighbor. You are to love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, anyone God puts in your path is to be treated with kindness. Everyone has burdens and they need encouragement. Do not add to their load by being inconsiderate and thoughtless. They get plenty of that in the run of a day. And so I encourage you here today, if you can't be helpful, be harmless. Our world needs to see Jesus in us. We are to be the salt of the earth. We are to be refractors of his light, showing what he has done in our life. What he's done in our life, he can do for you. Amen. And that is our testimony. And that is why we need God to grow in us the fruit of his kindness. Natural kindness is good, but it will not enable you to be Christ-like when you confront those who you deem do not deserve kindness. Listen to Jesus commanding the impossible in Luke chapter 6, verse 35. He says, but love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. When someone cuts you off in traffic, grabs the parking spot that you were waiting for here today, I, I didn't see anything. I was in here. I'm just... The Lord's directing me to say these things. Or maybe somebody doesn't give you the little nod to say thank you when you let them go first. Oh. Those are all opportunities. Anybody can say thanks and be kind when people are nice. That's easy. But the Christian is to be kind when others are being jerks and treating you bad. This does not mean that you, fight that, you, that you can't fight injustice and discrimination, but you do it with kindness towards your foes, even when they will reject that kindness and respond back to you negatively. Kindness is a partner to the fruit of the Spirit, uh, 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 the, the fruit of patience. Patience, it, it puts up with a lot, and then kindness, it steps in and goes out of its way to return good for evil. Many Christians will endure those who wrong them, but they will not go the next step and be kind to them. And as stated at the start, kindness is no wimp in the arsenal of Christian weapons to fight evil. It is one of the big guns. And it's, matter, it's a matter of being aware of other people's feelings and needs. The truth is, though, we are often unkind to those that are closest to us. I don't need an amen right now. I just need you to go along with me with this, okay? We're often unkind to those who are close to us, to our spouse, to our kids, to fellow believers. We need to see that kindness is not just for our enemies, but for our loved ones as well. Paul, he stresses this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ. Don't forget, just as in Christ, God forgave you. The implication is we get on each other's nerves sometimes. Don't tell me that it's not true. We're people. We're flawed. That's what the church is. It's a group of imperfect people that recognize we need a Savior. We can't do this on our own. That's what the church is. 
And so don't come in here thinking that everybody's going to be perfect and have it all together. We don't. I don't. But that's why we lean on him. Less of me, more of you, Lord. Less of me, more of you. The problem is that you can't unring a bell. What's been said has been said. What's been done has been done. And this is when we need the fruit of the Spirit to overcome our carnal desire to fight fire with fire and instead extend forgiveness. John Drescher in his book, Spirit Fruit, he quotes many different people on this subject. One is Dr. William McGrath, part of the American uh, Psychiatric Association. He said this, 90% of all mental illness that comes before me could have been prevented or could yet be cured by simple kindness. Your own happiness, as well as that of others, is wrapped up in this fruit called kindness. It has converted more sinners than zeal, eloquence, or learning. Not everyone can be eloquent or learned, but everybody can be kind. And by kindness, change lives. Missionaries to Nigeria, the Graysons, they recorded this story. They said one day, Brother Grayson, he lost control of his car and went into the ditch. It was up to the hubcaps in mud. There was no way they were going to get out. And he knew he would have to walk eight miles to the nearest town to get help. And so Sister Grayson would have to wait in the car. She said that it would be okay, but, of course, she was afraid, being on her own out there in the middle of nowhere. It was in darkness. It was coming. And she soon was kind of hearing all, all sorts of strange noises, and then she heard voices. She flicked on the headlights and saw two men coming towards the car. They asked her who she was, and she told them, and they left. But shortly afterwards, she heard voices again. The two men had come back with two women carrying blankets and bundles of wood. They spread the blankets out. They started a fire, and they invited her to, jo- to join them. They were so friendly that she got out, and, they, and she sat with them, and they talked all kinds of different things. And then finally she asked them, why did you come to keep me company? One of the men smiled and said, we have been waiting three years to do something for you. Three years ago, your husband drove through our village, and when he saw that my little daughter was ill, he took her to the mission hospital and was there a long time, but they saved her life. And we have waited three years to thank him. We would be happy to sit with that good man's wife and keep her company all night if necessary. They were showing kindness because they had been deeply touched by an act of kindness themselves. People who do not grasp the theology of Christianity can easily grasp its love when they see it displayed in acts of kindness. Instead of thinking of kindness as a minor virtue, we need to exalt it to a level where the Bible puts it, a vital ingredient to being Christ-like. And so our prayer today is, Lord, help me put on the fruit of kindness. The next fruit of the Spirit that is mentioned is goodness. Jesus was asked by a lawyer what he had to do to inherit eternal life. And the Lord's answer was, what do you think you have to do? I love that, answering a question with a question. The lawyer answered in Luke chapter 10, verse 27. We can see their dialogue. He says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. To which Jesus responded, okay, you know what to do. Do it. I love the next part because the Bible says that the lawyer wanted to justify his actions, and so he asked, who is my neighbor? Okay, you want me to... 
love my neighbor as myself, but who is that? Clarify that for me. Instead of directly answering the man, again, Jesus tells a parable, the parable of the Good Samaritan. He uses the example of the Jew and the Samaritan who would not ordinarily have been best friends towards each other. In fact, they hated each other. However, out of all of those who could have helped the Jew, we see in the story that only the Samaritan did. The Lord tells of a man who was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. And as he was going, he was attacked by robbers on the way. He was badly beaten and left for dead. The person, the first person to pass by this injured man was a priest. He crossed the road on the other side and continued walking. The second person to pass the injured man was a Levite, a priest's assistant. He also crossed the road and continued walking without helping the man. The third person to come by was the Samaritan. The Samaritans were hated by the Jews. But when the Samaritans saw the man, he took pity on him. He bandaged him and cleaned his wounds. He then put on his back, him on his back of his donkey and took him to an innkeeper who he paid to look after him. The parable ends with Jesus giving a commandment to go out, do the same as the Samaritan had done. This would have stirred up the crowds who heard this story. What do you mean, Jesus? People get offended at everything and become overly opinionated. They push on everyone else around them their offenses. And in the process, leave a wake of destruction from people they have offended, all in the name of me, myself, and I. We have a, cu a culture in our North American society that is all about me. That offends me. I don't like that. They, that makes me uncomfortable. And so they create their own truths and become their own mini-gods in charge of their own little world that people can say this but not that in front of me. But let me tell you here this morning, there are no individual truths. There is only the truth. Jesus Christ, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. The Lord knew that his plan to save the world would offend some, and it's going to be a stumbling block for others. But because of his love and his goodness, he came for the whosoever will. He knew that some wouldn't accept him, some would betray him, some would want to stone him, some would want him dead. But this wasn't for one individual. This wasn't a rescue mission for one particular cultural group. This was for everyone. The massive crowd that laid their coats at his feet and cried, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Would be the same crowd days later yelling, crucify him. He was scorned for sitting and eating with sinners. How dare he? He was mocked for the people that he interacted with. But his goodness towards us compelled him to go to greater lengths than our offenses could ever reach in order to reach anyone who would believe. The Lord gave us another example of what his goodness looks like in Matthew chapter 25, verse 36. He says, I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when do we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. God's goodness in us looks like this. 
It is recognizing that the world is full of hurting people and seeks to show his goodness through what he has done for us by doing good for others. It is a part of, being, it is a part of our very being. And so let's face the fact that goodness is not an option but an absolute necessity. It is impossible to be Christ-like without it. In order to truly be Christ-like, it has to grow out of agape love, which is a love that cares about all people and not just those that please you. It is other-centered and not self-centered. It is doing good for others, not just because it makes you feel good, but simply because this is how Christ is growing in you. You know what? He's done so much for me. Jesus was called by a rich young ruler, good teacher. And the Lord responded like this. He says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Was Jesus denying that he was good? No. He was bringing to light who he truly was. God manifested in the flesh. His goodness wrapped in a human form. It is no mere human virtue. Goodness is a part of God's nature. He is the source of all true goodness, and only His Spirit alone can produce it in us. This subject of goodness is so vast in the Bible, it would take hours just to read all the text. There's 77 different words and word combinations dealing with this theme of goodness. It is overwhelming to try and convey to you here this morning the significance of this material in one message, but let's just begin by saying that goodness begins in the very nature of God. His goodness is linked to His love, so are all the other fruits. The reason there is a relationship between God and humanity is because God is good. In Psalm 25, verse 7, we read, Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. I'm sure we've all had those. According to your love, and remember me. For you, Lord, are good. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, He instructs sinners in his ways. He shows us the way to go, not because of our goodness, not because we've reached a place where he can speak into our life, but because he's good. My grandmother was faithful to church. She was faithful to God. She was a living example of his goodness. I remember her getting up to testify of God's goodness. I remember her little dance that she would do in the presence of the Lord. She ended up getting sick with cancer, and at the age of 86, my uncle and aunt took her to live with them for the last of her days here on this earth. The day before she passed, my aunt was passing by the room where she was, and she stopped to see what was going on. She said, it looked like my grandmother was dancing and saying something in her bed. And so when she knelt down to listen to what she was saying, she said, it sounded like a foreign language that I've never heard before. My grandmother was doing her last practice dance down here and speaking in tongues before she left this old world to go dancing on streets of gold. I'm talking about when you understand the goodness of God. It'll keep you all of your life. It'll keep you all of your life. Why do we have a Savior? Because God is good. Why do we have the Word of God to direct us? Because God is good. Why do we have the church for fellowship and encouragement? Because God is good. All the gifts and blessings that we have, it's not because of us. We have because God is good. If he was only holy, he would have destroyed the world a long time ago and started over. But there's another part to God. He's good. 
and goodness is love reaching out to give a helping hand to those who can't make it on their own. And let's face it, we can't make it on our own. We need the Lord. The Good Samaritan was good because he helped a man survive who would not have without his help. If I could have the music come back at this time. Psalm 34, verse 8, it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in Him. Find out for yourself. Don't just take my word on it. Reach out to God for yourself. Over and over, the Bible says that the Lord is good, and He expects His people to reflect that goodness in the world. How could we not? He's been too good for me not to praise Him. He's been too good for me not to respond to his call in my heart here this morning. So I hope you didn't come to warm a seat. I want us all to stand across this place here right now and respond to his goodness. Hey man, if you were living and breathing today, it's because of him. If you have felt his presence, if you have felt what it's like to have a mountain of sin taken off your shoulders because of his forgiveness, if you have felt those sins washed away in baptism, if you have experienced his presence infilling your life as you spoke in his heavenly language, how could we not express the goodness of God in our life? If you know what it's like to be sinking in the depths of despair, not having any way out, and you felt that hand reach down and pull you out, how could you not worship him? For the Lord is good. His mercy endures forever. His truth endureth to all generations. Hallelujah, Jesus. And if you haven't experienced that here today, today's the day. Today's the day that you can experience that goodness for yourself. Today's the day you can experience His forgiveness. The day that you can have your sins washed away in baptism. The waters are ready. You can be filled with His Spirit today. The first time His presence was poured out was recorded in our Bibles. And when people outside the church service heard what was going on, they began asking questions about how can we experience this? Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? What do we have to do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent. Ask God to forgive you of your sins be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins that washes away your sins puts it under the blood and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost God wants each and every person to be filled with his presence here this morning you can have that same experience here this morning because we still serve that one true God he's still the same Peter goes on to say if you don't think that it's for you listen to this for this promise is unto you yeah. and to your children yes. hallelujah Jesus and to all that are afar off even as many as the Lord our God shall call and so if you feel that pull here this morning today's the day God gave us the formula for his salvation so we could experience his goodness in our life he made a way of escape from us from this old world of sin please get a hold of this here this morning I am going to open up the altars at this time and I'm going to invite you to come. I'm inviting everybody to come. Follow his leading. Everywhere he goes, you go. Every step he takes, you take.
Lord, we only want to follow you here this morning. We want to follow your presence and what you're doing in your church. Let your will be done in your life, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Let your will be done in our life. We give you praise here today, Jesus, for all that you've done. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.